Well, it's a joy to be with you here this morning, and uh, my family and I want to thank you in a special way for your hospitality to us these past couple days. Several of you have also come up to us and uh, said you're praying for us, and, and we sure thank you for that. You know, one of the beautiful things is that when Jesus Christ is at the center of our lives and when we are seeking first his kingdom, when we come into a new group of people, we discover right away that we have all these things already in common. And uh, that's certainly been our experience here uh, so far. When we drove in this morning... Uh, I remembered, uh, remembered that uh, my first visit here in early February, I think second or third, uh, was, uh, came to a quite dramatic ending. I don't know if you've heard about this. Uh, I drove in from Philly. I had a, uh, a meeting with the search committee. And then the plan was I was going to jump in my car, go back to Philly, and fly back to Chicago. Well, I got to my car and I'd left the lights on for the whole time. And I thought, oh my goodness. And I sheepishly went back to the search committee and had to interrupt their conversation about you-know-who <laughs> and uh, ask for help. So already we were being church to each other. And uh, uh, Elvin Crable and Jason Cunningholm quickly dashed out to the parking lot uh, charged up our car, and uh, I made the flight. So. so a rather dramatic first visit to East Chestnut Street. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, we're so very grateful for your word. And we're especially grateful that you always have more light and more love and more abundant life to bring to us, to reveal to us. And so this morning we ask you, as we've already been asking, for your Holy Spirit to break upon your congregation so that we'd not only hear your word, but be empowered to live it out faithfully in our lives together. We pray all this through Christ who showed us how. Amen. Peering out into space through the Hubble telescope, astronomers are catching these exhilarating glimpses of heavenly objects being propelled outward by the dynamic energy of the cosmic event that first created all things. Scientists call this the Big Bang. We as believers call this the first moment of God's creation. And they tell us that our universe amazingly is still expanding 15 billion years later. In the New Testament, 
we glimpse something similar as the Jesus movement ripples outward from Jerusalem. First to Samaria, then to Antioch, Philippi, Corinth, and even to the center of the empire, Rome. And the presence of ancient Christian communities also in India, in Ethiopia, Iraq, and Egypt tell us that this Jesus movement rippled outward in every direction. And so the question that we must ask is what original event caused this expanding universe of Christian faith, of people living under the reign of Christ and walking in his ways? What propels the followers of Jesus outward and makes them able to endure jailings, floggings, and stonings? And not just to endure them, but to rejoice for the privilege of suffering in the name of their leader. Well, we have to admit that the beginning of our gospel reading this morning doesn't seem like a very promising place to start to find where this movement began with such intensity and power. Because what do we find here at the beginning of this story? The shell-shocked followers of Jesus hiding behind locked doors. You know, the Roman Empire uses crucifixion to eliminate all challengers to its power and to terrorize anyone who happened to be following them. And when we look at the disciples, we have to say, wow, it's the cross is working. And we can only imagine the storm of emotions that these disciples are feeling on this first Sunday night. Sorrow. Their beloved teacher and friend is dead. Despair. Jesus' life has ended in total failure. Death on a Roman cross. Shameful. Terror. Are they perhaps next on Jesus' hit list? Or excuse me, are they perhaps next on the Roman authorities' hit list? And shock. Not only is Jesus dead, but now people are reporting that his body has gone missing. Now our gospel account doesn't tell us this, but reading between the lines, there must be something else, other emotions lurking in that room this evening. Guilt and shame. Does our dear brother Peter maybe flash back to that bold promise that he, remember he promises Jesus that he'll lay down his life for him? Or do all the disciples remember how in that garden of Gethsemane they all fled away? And does Peter remember how he denied Jesus three times? And how across the courtyard, their eyes suddenly met each other. 
and Jesus or and Peter fled the courtyard weeping. You know, a few verses after our reading today from Acts 5, we hear about two Jewish rebels named Theudas and Judas the Galilean. And in these verses in Acts 5, it tells them tells us that Rome immediately executed them and wiped out all of their followers. Here today, gone tomorrow, mere flashes in the pan of history. And at this part of the story, it seems like the Jesus movement will be no different. That is until the risen Jesus meets his disciples. The very folks who have just denied and betrayed and deserted him. They must surely expect his censure, his condemnation. What's with you folks? But what does he give them? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Not just once, but if you read that story three times, because he knows his beloved disciples are going to have a very, very hard time believing and receiving his forgiveness. And then, a week later, Jesus tenderly ministers to dear Thomas, the realist. Touch my hands, Thomas. Come over here and touch my side. And now, finally, we have arrived at the central events, the Easter event that propels the followers of Jesus outward to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Here we find Jesus ministering to his friends at the places where they are most wounded and broken. Just as he still ministers to us in our own places of deepest need as well. Amen? You know, sometimes it's when we're most empty, most undeserving, that we're in the very best place to begin to grasp the awesome scope of God's grace. Our Lord never wastes anything in our lives, even our worst mistakes, even our worst failures. These disciples become such passionate witnesses of their Lord's amazing grace precisely because they have most personally experienced it. Forgiven much, forgiven much, they are not now launched outward to share his saving and reconcile love with the whole world with the same kind of lavish freedom and abandon. You know, I love to imagine 
the shock waves of understanding and realization in that room as the disciples began to comprehend the implications that Jesus was with them. Their terror and their, their despair gives way to unquenchable joy as they begin to realize that in raising Jesus, God is vindicating his teachings. God is vindicating his nonviolent life. God, God is vindicating his costly forgiveness and his peacemaking on the cross. They begin to realize that in raising Jesus, God is showing that the powers of evil and death and sin have been defeated. And he is showing the disciples realize that in raising Jesus, God is, reali God is revealing that nothing can ever separate them from God's reconciling love, which is now revealed to be the supreme power of the universe. Back when I was a college sophomore, that takes us all the way back to 1982, I stopped in Japan on my way to a semester of study in China, which, by the way, is where Danette and I fell in love when we became teaching partners on SST in Goshen. Before we got to China, I went to Hiroshima and visited the ground zero where an American atom bomb exploded on August 6, 1945. And you can go right to the very spot, ground zero. And, and we did that. And I contemplated at that very spot. The bomb apparently exploded overhead. But I thought and contemplated about all the death and the fear and the misery and the terror that emanated from that ghastly place. And you know, I was only 18 at the time, so I had no idea that other ground zeros would be happening in my own life as well, also with the same horrifying results. But dear friends, the good news for us this morning is that our scripture readings focus our attention on a very different world-changing event that takes place in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. From the risen Christ emanates forgiveness rather than hostility and revenge. From the risen Christ radiates love rather than fear. From Easter breaks forth life rather than death. And from the risen Christ emanates the amazing, amazing creativity and courage 
to overcome evil with good. It's been said that when we celebrate the resurrection, we are standing in the middle of a tumultuous surge of divine energy as intense as the very beginning of the universe. God raising Jesus is creation 2.0. It's the beginning of God's new heaven and new earth. It's the opening act of God's renewal of all things, including us. Now, before we end, we cannot miss one of the most amazing and crucial parts of this story. In that room tonight, we see our Lord creating a new people, creating a new faith community. Just as God breathed life into the body of the first human being, so Jesus now breathes life into the community that will now be his living body on earth. And we're all a beautiful part of that. And Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I now send you. Do you feel the centrifugal force of the gospel? The gospel always propels us outward beyond ourselves to others. And empowered now by the Holy Spirit, we see these once shaking in their sandals disciples suddenly standing right in the middle of the temple proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ. They stand before the council and they take their new pledge of allegiance. We must obey God now rather than any human authority. And in the book of Revelation, we hear them make this radical all a beautiful part of that. And Jesus says, as the Father sent me so I now sins of the earth. P.S. That includes Caesar. <laughs> and I saw the other day that nine out of the 11 original disciples eventually give up their lives for this mission that they are on. And I think the beautiful thing is that Peter is one of them. And so if you think about it, in the end, our dear friend Peter eventually kept his promise, his bold promise to Jesus. And you know, this Easter event continues on and on and ripples outward even into our own lives. When I lived when Danette and I lived in China, the to let you know, because the Holy Spirit will, of um, persecution in the culture of China. And they said something to us most riveting. They said, we don't just believe in the resurrection. We have experienced it. 
Our church was dead and buried. And God raised us to new life. And here in 2013, Jesus continues to call us to continue his healing and liberating work in our world, bringing good news to the world. Have Myrna play through it one time for the sake of the kingdom. Bring down, down all hostility and steam is to new life. And if you're, if you're not sure yet, just ask the Holy Spirit to let you know, because the Holy Spirit will. Our risen Lord sends us out into a world locked, locked up in rooms of fear and terror, and the Holy Holy Spirit gives us the courage to be this amazing peace.